Well, the series is Journeys to God Knows Where, and last week uh, I talked about, the, one of the things I mentioned was uh, the journeys within the journeys. Don't miss the journeys within the journey. It's one of the applications at the end of the message, if you remember, if you were here last week. It was about uh, what, on a journey to God knows where. In other words, a journey where you feel like you're moving in response to something in your life that God is directing you to move toward. You don't know all the answers. You just know he said, look, I want you to pursue this or practice this or change this or begin to move in this direction instead of that direction. You get some instruction, but you don't get all the details ahead of time. So in that sense, it's a journey to God knows where. You don't know what's down the road. On those journeys, last week I was reminding us that uh, what, one of the things that's normal for those journeys is opposition. There will always be opposition. Every Popeye has his, Todd, Bluto or Brutus, yes. Have you spent that gift certificate yet? And not yet. Hope you spend it on something really good and fun for yourself. Todd won a gift certificate by answering a trivia question last week about Popeye. Today we're going to look at another thing that's normal on a noble journey, on a journey toward good, on a journey in a direction that God asks us to go. One of those journeys where you know that at the end of the journey, there is Jesus with his arms wide open and Jesus nodding, saying, yes, this direction, come on, come from there to here. Here's another thing that's normal on those journeys. What's normal on those journeys is opposition, yep. You know what else? Pain, bruises, bumps, broken bones, sometimes broken hearts. And so I've entitled this message, Journeys to God Knows Where, Developing a Theology of Ouch. Because ouch is something we experience, something we say, when we're moving in great directions. When I was a trainer for uh, church planters, in fact, before that, when the denomination that we're a part of plants a new church, in other words, goes someplace where there's no covenant church, and we feel like it would be good to have one there, uh, and we take a new pastor and we say, there is nothing there now, go put a church there in a few years, have a group like this gathered. So from nothing to this, one of the things we do is we assess them, because that's a pretty taxing challenge. And so we want to make sure we're not sending them into something for which they're not equipped, not interested in that kind of pain. And so we come, there's an assessment center, and we help them discern. And one of the things we do early in that assessment would be we're gathered with a bunch of folks, and we're up in front, and we would affirm them for wanting to do something so crazy as plant a new church. And then we say to them, there are a few, there are, there are a few guarantees we can offer you. Not a whole lot of guarantees when it comes to church planting, but here's one we can guarantee you we can be certain will be true. Are you ready? We say to them very early on, you will be broken. And then we say, well, pause for a second. Anybody who wants to leave now can go ahead and leave because we can't guarantee you much, but we guarantee you, you will be broken. You'll experience brokenness in your pride, brokenness maybe in your, it'll reveal the brokenness in your marriage, in your family, in your own internal life. You will be broken. There's a banner that we had in our narthex there's no more narthex i mean it's all torn out that balcony if you've been to our building before is gone it's just gone there's just a few metal beams there that are going to be removed soon too we used to have this banner hanging in there and it said 
Actually, it was attached to that project. We're trying to remind ourselves that nothing of significance ever happens without three three things. Calling, commitment, and sacrifice. Nothing of significance has ever happened without those or will ever happen without those. Calling, commitment, and sacrifice. One of our founding fathers, Thomas Paine, certainly no friend of Christian theology, but he was a great thinker said this, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It's got to be a theology of ouch, and there will be ouches en route to something great. That's what Jesus said too in that quote that Jeff offered just a few minutes ago, where your treasure is, your heart will be also Or remember this word of Jesus. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be considered worthy of this relationship, you must, and this is ouch stacked upon ouch, die to yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And doesn't life, don't our experiences actually confirm that notion? that nothing worth having comes very easily, that in route to anything great and pure and worth holding on to and holy and substantial, there is pain. And sometimes we have scars from our pursuit of that faithful journey that lasts for a lifetime. Great results are always accompanied by great challenges. That always has been true. It is true now. It always will be true. Nothing worth having comes easily. Anyone who's given birth to a child knows that. Nothing worth happening. Not worth having comes easy. Our daughter Becca just gave birth to our grandson a few months ago on Easter. And boy, it was a challenge. I was so proud of her. She was like a stallion. I mean, she was just magnificent in the way she responded, but went through a lot. And I remember something she said that stayed with me. She said, and moms, you'll, you'll relate to this. If that's what it took to have him, I'll do it. I'll do it again. Nothing worth having comes easy. Anyone who's run a marathon knows that nothing worth having comes easy. Right, Jeff? I wish I could say amen to that. (laughs) Jeff and Ben are marathon runners. Marin Covenant's newest Eagle Scout knows that nothing worth having comes easy. Unmarried Christians who are doing the hard work of maintaining what is still the biblical standard of celibacy know that that's a battle with bumps and bruises. Nothing worth having comes easy. If you're a single parent, my goodness, you surely know nothing worth having comes easy. The climbing of any worthwhile mountain involves skin, knees, and broken bones. You've got to have a theology of ouch in a pursuit of that God puts before you. If you're going to be on a journey to God knows where, that's mandatory. Today, we're going to look at just a couple of reasons why. Before we do that, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read an entire 
chapter of the book of Matthew and then come back and gain some understanding of why it's just so important for us to have a theology of ouch in this pursuit of greatness, of holiness, of something substantial. Matthew chapter 10. I'll read. You follow along on the screen. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits. By the way, this is Jesus now sending his disciples. He sends the 12. He sends more disciples subsequent to this. But he sends them now on a journey to God knows where. And so that's the context for this. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the 12 disciples. Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him later. And these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Sent them out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. Here's the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now that's a journey to God knows where. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it's not, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your feet. Jesus is being quite specific in this particular challenge, this journey, way more specific than he is sometimes with ours. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, yet innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. You will be broken. There's the door if anybody wants out. But then... When they arrest, you don't worry about what you're going to say or how to say it. At the time, you'll be given what to say. It won't be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through. Your brother will betray brother to death, and a father, his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another implied where you'll be persecuted again. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above the master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called the devil, Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So don't be afraid of them. 
There's nothing concealed that won't be disclosed or hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who could destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth considerably more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Still the instructions to send them on this journey to God knows where. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Are you charged up to go on this journey yet if you're standing there? Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter or niece or nephew more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me, not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake shall find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to, the one, to one of these little ones who is my disciple on this journey, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. May God add his blessing to his holy word, his fully inspired scripture. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Why? From that text, do we need some sort of a theology of ouch if we're really bearing down on a journey to God knows where? When your life is determined to move toward Christ, step after step after step, whether it's on your campus or in your place of employment or in your neighborhood, why do we need a journey, a theology of ouch on this journey? Because there, be, there will be wounds on this journey. Here, here's the first reason from this text. Because those journeys, they're not sweet rides all the time. They can be risky. You understand, we are, as Christians, salmon swimming against the current in a world that's broken. And as we're reminded here often, that doesn't mean we want to be moralists, we're just saying, here's, if this is what's best for humankind, to recognize Jesus and follow Jesus, yield to Jesus, let him guide us, then we want to be motivated by love to do everything we can to help people engage with Jesus and the values of Christ, a relationship with Christ. That's how we were built. And loving people can't simply stand by and watch folks make decisions that we are convinced will eventually wound them. That's not the right journey to be on. But if you move toward Christ, you move against 
the current, not with the current. And that's a risky move. Look at Matthew 10, 16 through 23. First of all, just verse 16. This is a great alarming statement. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Could he be more graphic? Wait a minute, Jesus. You're sending me out where I'm at risk? Yep. It's like you rubbing bacon grease all over me and then putting me in a pen of hungry dogs. Yep. That's not what I signed up for. Actually, yes. <laughs> you, you mean I'm the baby seal and the world in which I live is a sea full of hungry orca whales. Yes. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's a risk. Ours are not journeys away from the minefields. Ours as Christians are journeys into the minefields. We don't circumvent our challenges. We, we engage our challenges. That's the way of Christ. That's a journey to God knows where. Our journey calls us to enter fields and the environment of those who seek to destroy us. We are food for some folks. And these are the folks Jesus says, I want you to go and love them. I want you to forgive them. I want you to go exemplify grace to them. But it's risky, absolutely. And you need a theology of ouch for that. And it makes us vulnerable, these journeys, to, to those with all the power and all the influence. Read on, verse 17, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Not us today, but we have the, the, the parallel of that. We're at risk. We go into a world where everybody is armed with guns and we have a peace sign across. And we go kind of like Martin Luther King Jr. went. So you can have your power washers and your dogs that you're going to release. We will prevail with peace. And what's right. And we're at risk of those folks. Everybody with the power. We're vulnerable to them. You know, the Christian journey is not one of insulation, contrary to popular Christian belief. The Christian journey, the faithful Christian journey, is one of activism. It's not a separated journey. It's an embedded journey. A journey not away from broken bodies, but toward broken bodies. Not away from bro broken systems, but toward broken systems. Not away from the fire, but into the fire. Do you get my point? And to do anything else is not, you hear me, not Christian. To run for the insulation and the safety of separation is to spit in the face of the one who died for us and who challenged us. By the way, it's also why a younger generation wants no part of Christianity because they say, you guys are all talking sizzle and no action. You don't care about justice. You don't care about the poor. You don't care about what's broken in the world. But imagine the power 
of a congregation saying, we repent and we will move not away from pain, toward it. You're going to do that, you're going to go on a journey to God knows where. That's a godly journey, but you better develop a theology of ouch, because those journeys can be risky, and we will be broken, guaranteed. Second reason, we have to develop that theology. Those journeys can be risky, and those journeys can be painful. In fact, I I think they will be painful. Faithfulness on those journeys will not always be fun. Now, it'll always be rich, and it'll always be rewarding, but it won't always be fun. They'll hurt. Look at verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace. You didn't? Jesus is speaking hyperbolically here. But I came to bring a sword. I I, I came not to stack the dishes. I came to break the dishes. I, I have come to turn a man against his father. Wait a minute, we're supposed to honor our father and our mother. I'm gonna, the standard I bring upsets everything. I, I came to bring a, do, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be the members of his own household. In other words, he's saying, I am the blacklight that gets run across the sheets in the hotel to show you all the poisons that are under there. I reveal things that show us how broken we are. My standard, as seen in the Sermon on the Mount, shouts to everybody, everything's broken. It's not broken. This is the way it is. You're supposed to show this. You're supposed to do that. This is what matters. Go to that college. Make this money. At what cost? My dad, I had a great dad, so don't get me wrong. I mean, he was on board all, but at first, when I became a follower of Christ and I was stuck in my bedroom all the time reading the Gospel of John and coming down at dinner and saying, guess what I read today? My parents were a little nervous. (laughs) And after I calmed down a bit, my dad and I were having a talk that I'll never forget. He said, boy, you had me scared there for a minute. And I said, why? Well, for a minute I thought, You know, you're thinking about becoming a minister or something weird like that. (laughs) It's not what we had planned. Later on, one of my favorite quotes, we were sitting in a boat working on one of his boats, and long after he had accepted the fact that I was going to be a minister and loved the fact, actually, that changes were good in my life, uh, I was going to go off to seminary. We had two kids, and my dad said, well, who's going to pay for this seminary? And I said, Dad, I know that what God calls me to, God will provide for. And he said, "Uh uh-huh. Why is it every time God provides for you, it costs me money? He said. (laughs) (laughs) But that's for another time. These journeys will not always be fun because, you know what? These journeys expose people's brokenness. And when brokenness is exposed... It causes us to be a little bit insecure and uncomfortable. That's the journey we're on. Hey, here, here's the light. Here's what's true. People say, that can't be true. I don't want that to be true. Why should that be true? This, that, here it is. You do what you want. But that journey can be a painful journey, especially when the brokenness you're exposing is, or Jesus is exposing is in somebody you dearly love and even respect. Look at verse 37. 
and following. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I'm feeling not so worthy then because I don't know how to love more than I love my children, my grandson. I don't know how to love more than that. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me, not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. These are painful journeys because they expose the brokenness of others and make them uncomfortable. But they're also painful journeys because these journeys to God knows where tend to reveal our true commitments and priorities as followers of Jesus. And let let me tell you, if you haven't learned this yet, learn it today. Hell hath no fury like an evangelical Christian scorned. And we realize that we've been raising our hands in worship for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then this journey to God knows where challenges some of our priorities. And we realize, boy, Jesus, you're sort of 1A. After, Don't love you more than I love my parents or my children or my agenda or my, my plans or my college app or whatever it might be. Can we redefine what it means to take up my cross daily, please? What's the every other day plan? I mean, I want in on that one. These journeys to God knows where, they're painful. You have to have a well-developed theology of ouch. A different way of looking at things because these journeys tend to show us things about ourselves that aren't particularly pretty. And we're not all that sometimes. They show us our own hypocrisy. Nothing of true value comes easy in life. That's certainly true of the valuable gains we make as we follow Jesus. When a journey to God knows where, got to know where to place the ouch. That's one of the journeys within the journey, by the way. If you're aware of the journeys within the journey, you recognize that in pursuit of something fantastic, something different. When I see things, let's talk about ourselves, when I see things about myself that I don't like, that's a journey within the journey. That's a pain, that's a journey within the journey. I realize, my, this wasn't really initially about Art recognizing that he's not as forgiving as he thought he was. We were doing something else, but in root, I realized, where did that come from? Whoa, where did that prejudice statement come from? I thought I was done with that. What's that about? What's in me that I didn't realize was still in me? What's in me that needs to have a torch put to it? What's in me that the great merciful holy assassin better kill real soon? Because it's not going to do anybody, including me, any good. What's in me? That's a journey within the journey. And those are painful moments. They, they are hurts that are sort of healing hurts. That's what growth feels like. You know what that is? You know what those pains are in that journey? Those hurts? Those are the feelings of deconstruction and reconstruction of the soul. And they're good. That's a healthy theology of ouch. Those journeys can be risky, and those journeys can be painful, 
But may I remind you today that in every case, those journeys are worth it. In verse 24, you have this idea of those journeys that result in pain identifying us, connecting us with Jesus. He said the student's not above his teacher, servant's not above the master. It's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, if they did this to me and you're one of mine, they're going to do that to you. This is an us thing. You have Peter in Peter, 1 Peter 4 talking about the idea of us sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. You have Paul in 1 Corinthians 1st chapter talking about completing what was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. So the pain we experience in route to purity, in route to a good goal, the pain we experience is an identification with the suffering of Jesus. It's a connection with Jesus. It's worth it. In verse 39, listen to this. Whoever, in the last part of it, whoever loses their life for my sake shall find it. Before he said, if you're going to find your life, you're going to lose it. If you're going to go after what's easy now, eh. But if you're willing to take up your cross daily and follow me towards something noble and good and pure and helpful and true, oh, are you going to find life? Yeah, on the other side of those bumps and bruises and skin knees and broken bones, there is life. It's worth it. It's good. feels good when you lay down at night after a day like that. Because we're claimed as his own. In fact, we're so closely connected when we are on a journey to God knows where. We're pursuing something that's not necessarily easier, but it's right. It's the right thing to do according to God's standard. And we have pain in that journey. So connected are we with Jesus through that suffering that it's as though uh, a blessing to us is the same as a blessing to him. Verse 40, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. I'm pursuing this. I'm getting slammed only because I chose to pursue it. And Jesus is saying, (laughs) you and me, we're so close that when they welcome you, they welcome me. When you're in that pursuit. Journeys to God knows where. You know, recently, my wife Brenda and her sisters and took their mom to Italy. And while they were in Italy, they visited lots of things. They were there on a David journey, a, a, a Michelangelo journey to see the David and different works of Michelangelo. So, of course, they went to the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo's ceiling paintings take up just over 12,000 square feet, the Sistine Chapel. It's visited by 25,000 people a day, Sistine Chapel. But you know, that great work by that great artist came at a significant cost to the artist. Michelangelo's rival, the artist Raphael, recommended Michelangelo for the 
project. But you know why? Because he knew he wasn't a painter. He was primarily a sculpture. And so he recommended Michelangelo to the Pope so that Michelangelo could fail and be embarrassed. So Raphael recommended Michelangelo for that work out of his own insecurity. He wanted him to suffer miserably and to be humbled. And then while he's painting, he, he, he didn't want to do the thing, but while he was painting, you have other folks with influence in the, to the Pope and others uh, ridiculing, ridiculing the work. So you better pull the plug, Pope. It took him four years to finish the overhead work, which he did, by the way, not on his back, but standing on scaffolding, looking up like this and painting right about here. Imagine four years of this. He began to find toward the end of that project that it was difficult to look and focus on anything when he was looking down. He, he had to take everything up and read it like that. He suffered long-term permanent damage to his knees, his back, and his neck because of that project. On his journey to God knows where, one for which he begged Pope Julius II to choose someone else, Michelangelo became well acquainted with a theology of ouch. Oh, but aren't you glad he did? Something magnificent came along with that pain. I wonder if every time his knees hurt or his back hurt, if he couldn't just take a walk over to the Sistine Chapel and look up once again. And I wonder if they hurt then. Consider how good that pain felt then. I wonder if he took Raphael with him in there. <laughs> Bro, too bad I suck so much, huh? <laughs> Nothing worth having comes easy. Great results are always accompanied by great challenge. The climbing of any worthwhile mountain involves brokenness. You will be broken if you go there. That's especially true on a journey to God knows where. Let me leave you with this question as we prepare to come and identify with the brokenness of Jesus. Is the ouch you're feeling now going to end up being the masterpiece you experience later? You'll never know if you come down off the scaffolding too soon. Knees don't hurt anymore when you walk in and see that.